Now turn with me to Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. Over the different Christmas services, we have been looking at a very special collection of Christmas carols, the songs sung by various people associated with Jesus' birth. A book which we have been using in preparation has the title Songs for a Saviour's Birth. It is a unique collection of Christmas carols. I think Townend's From the Squalor of a Borrowed Stable is right up there with the best of them, but it's not quite as good as the angel's song. Let's read Luke chapter 2, and we'll focus on the angel's song. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from the town of Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. While they were there, the time came for him, for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And as an angel of the Lord appeared to them, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Amen. Now this morning we focus on chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. What I've entitled in the service sheet you'll see on the back, Sing Choirs of Angels, Sing in Exaltation. Let me read them again, 2.13, suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Now to put it in context, Luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 7 records the facts of Jesus' birth. Somebody in one of the carol services said to me, that they had always understood the gospel accounts to be what they said were faith narratives. I think what they meant by that is that they were faith stories, 
stories that Christians draw on as resources in life. They weren't being critical or pejorative. It just came as a huge surprise and almost as a delight to them that they are not faith stories. They are historical, factual records. And this little portion of Scripture, 2, 1 to 7, reads so much like an historical, factual record. If you were Luke and you wanted to write to give certainty to believers of what they had been taught, you would write like this. In the year that this person was the governor, in this place, there was a census around the whole Roman world. And Luke the writer would know that you would look and see if there is evidence in human history for such a census. And there is. And people went to their hometown. Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem because that was the town of their lineage. And there the baby was born. This is no different from the birth notice of a child in a newspaper. On that day, in that place, a baby boy was born. These were his mum and dad. That's why they were there. If you are here this morning or listening, and people have told you that these are faith narratives, well, let me suggest to you that the plain reading of Scripture is that they are historical, factual narratives. And the difference between a gospel constructed on the basis of a faith narrative and a gospel constructed on the basis of factual history is night and day. Night and day. So, factual history. Now, in the middle of all of this, an angel of the Lord appeared. Now, you may have been a Christian for many years, and you have to fight with me to get out of your head all sorts of images that are unhelpful. If I say angel, what comes into your head? And don't pretend that a biblical picture does. The picture that comes into your head Does it make you, let me ask you this question instead, does it fill you with fear? Does it make you tremble to the very soles of your feet? For that's what it did to these shepherds. When the glory of the Lord shone around them, they were filled with fear. Their fear is understandable at this supernatural sight. We do not know exactly what they saw, but for sure they hadn't seen anything like this before and they were frightened. But there's something more. Why are they afraid? Are they afraid because they saw a bright light? Are they afraid because they saw something strange? Yes, but they are afraid. Or fear strikes their hearts because they are in the presence of the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord shone around them. What made them afraid was not the shining, but the glory of the Lord. When we studied Mark's gospel, and we'll soon return to it with the revised read Mark, perhaps you can remember the typical reaction of the disciples and others at the sight of the glory of God. When Jesus calmed the storm, fear. When Jesus came to the disciples walking on the water in the middle of the night, fear, fear, Fear because of their being in the presence of the glory of God. When Jesus was transfigured before Peter, James, and John, and they saw his glory, they were frightened. All through the Old Testament, when people encountered the glory of God, they were frightened. 
when the resurrected Jesus appeared in his glorified body, they were frightened. To see the glory of God, to be in the presence of the glory of God, should make us afraid. Aslan and C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, is scary but good. He is a lion. It's good for you, Jason. Tell Rebecca when she comes back that the God that you worship is a lion as well as a lamb. In the Bible, there are two angels that are named, only two, Michael and Gabriel. Both of them appeared to Daniel when he was in Babylon. Listen to Daniel's reaction at being in their presence. So I was left alone, Daniel writes, and saw this great vision and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words and I heard the sound of the words. I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground and behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. Later on, again, one having the appearance of a man, this is Daniel, touched me and strengthened me and he said, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you. Isn't that strikingly similar? The appearance of the angel brought Daniel to his knees without strength. The appearance of the glory of God caused the shepherds to be afraid. And the angel reached down to Daniel. And the angel spoke to the shepherd and said, Fear not, for I am with you. Now, why am I saying this? Well, I asked us to consider what picture came to our mind when we read Luke's words, an angel of the Lord appeared. And I suspect the picture that the Bible has put back into our minds is a picture that gives us more, not less, confidence in the supernatural and in the divine. The God that we worship and the God who speaks to us is a lion who is dangerous and wonderful unsafe and safe. It is good to have a lion with you in East Asia. It is good to have a lion with you in Scotland. As long as that lion reaches out with his hand and says, fear not. In the angelic beings, the fusion of the transcendent sovereignty and the precious intimacy of God is manifest. What about the multitude of the heavenly host? One angel is bad enough. These words literally mean the massed heavenly armies. Picture in your mind a, one of these old cine films of massed armies walk, walking in time. An awesome and terrifying force of celestial soldiers. It must have been an awesome sight. It must have been an awesome sound. It must have been terrifying and glorious, frightening and reassuring. I suspect if you went into Her Majesty's presence, I suspect if you went into her presence, you would be a little fearful. You'd be looking for the right protocol to use. Unless you would, I suspect we all would, whatever we say. I suspect what would happen if you were in her presence is she would immediately put you at your ease. And this woman of great authority and power is just a normal woman. 
Three things these angels say and do. Number one, you'll see on the sheet, rejoicing in heaven. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. The massed choirs, the massed armies of heaven singing glory to God in the highest. Now just remember this. Who heard them singing? Just the shepherds. Nobody else. Why at this moment in history, this song? Because God has intervened, redirected human history to put himself back into the center of the world. With the birth of Jesus, the everlasting kingdom of God has broken into the world. And now and forever, God will have the glory in all things. Supremely, the birth of Jesus is not about us. It is about us in that a Savior is born to us. But it is not supremely about us. Nor is the birth of Jesus even supremely about him. It is about him. Matthew in his gospel tells us that wise men came to Jesus and fell down and worshipped him and gave him gifts fit for a king. The birth of Jesus is about Jesus, but not supremely about Jesus. The birth of Jesus is supremely about God. In fact, everything about Christian faith is supremely about God. God is the subject of virtually every sentence in the Bible. The birth of Jesus is supremely about God. When Jesus Christ was born, the massed choirs, the massed armies of heaven suddenly burst into song. Glory to God in the highest. Let me paraphrase the angel's song, glory to God in the highest. Let me paraphrase it. To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life in atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Come to the Father through Jesus the Son. Give him, the Father, the glory for great things he has done in giving us the Son. One of the areas of theology, if you like, that we need to recover is a rich theology or understanding of God the Father, the glory of God. The glory of God, the lion, the host of heaven, his power. Now, there is something strange here, though. The most significant event in human history, when God puts himself back into the center of the world and heaven bursts into song, unparalleled rejoicing in heaven, heaven burst into song, but earth did not. One of the most beautiful Christmas carols is in the bleak midwinter. If you hear these words describing the weather in Bethlehem that night, they are profoundly unhelpful. To be honest, I've never heard them describe the weather because it wasn't snowing. But listen to them figuratively speaking, and I think they're powerful. In the bleak midwinter, frosty wind made moan, earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. 
in heaven there was rejoicing. Earth stood hard as iron, unmoved, unbending. The humble circumstances of Jesus' birth in a stable points to his humility, the fact that the King of God's everlasting kingdom is God's servant who will die in shame and degradation on a cross. That's why Townend's carol is great, from the squalor of a borrowed stable to the point that he fights for breath. But the humble circumstances of Jesus' birth point not only to his humility, but point to the hardness and the harshness that then and now accompanies his birth. The greatest event in heaven, hardly noticed on the earth, then and still. One of the striking truths of Christmas is the fact that on earth people do not recognize the significance of Jesus' birth does not in any way alter the significance of Jesus' birth. You get to go, Jason, to a country where earth once stood hard as iron, literally. And that earth, by God's Spirit, has been broken up. And there's a thaw. But the iron is not far away. But hundreds of millions of people have been moved. But the iron is not far away. The angels are proclaiming the fact that God himself has acted and put himself back into the center of the world. The fact that people don't see it or recognize it doesn't mean he hasn't done it. In so doing, he has glorified himself in the highest and most abundant honor and splendor, whether or not people see it or hear it. Now, God is infinitely patient and kind and generous. He likes churches to have seven carol services a year. Definitely no more, though, than that. Quite possibly three rather than seven. But he likes to give people and communities another chance. He likes to do that. But there will come a day when God, for his own glory, will roar like a lion and the massed multitudes of the heavenly armies will descend on the earth. Just turn to Revelation chapter 19, the very end of the Bibles. Just to say we can't stop early today because there will come a day when the angels in heaven will sing again and all people will hear. And that will be the day that heralds the return of Jesus and the dawn of the new creation. Revelation 19, after this, I heard what seemed to be the loud of a voice of a great multitude, literally a host of heaven. It's exactly the same as Luke. Crying out, hallelujah, salvation and power and glory belong to our God for his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute, that's Babylon or simply evil in the world and in the human heart, who corrupted the earth with her immortality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, hallelujah, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the 24 elders, their big angels, and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped him who was seated on the throne, saying, Amen, hallelujah. And from the throne came a loud voice saying, Notice all of this is directed at God. Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him 
great and small. Then I heard what seemed to me to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage supper of the Lamb has come. Now, if you thought that the massed choirs and armies and angels of Luke 2 were scary, this stuff is more scary. If you thought that the massed choirs and angels of Luke 2 were a big noise, they are like an overture to the symphony. They are like the first bar of the overture to the symphony. Now the full orchestra is playing and the full chorus is singing. And the day will come. And the day will come. And it really will come. Last week we looked at Isaiah 40. We don't doubt that a Savior will come. We don't come to another Christmas thinking, will this be the one? We doubt that he will come again. Maybe 2018 we'll see him return. And on that day, the whole earth will hear the angel's song. Because on that day, the Lord will return, not in humility, but in triumphant glory. And as we sung in this Christmas carol, just listen to what we sung. Now he's standing in the place of honor. That's the returning Christ. Crowned with glory on the highest throne. Interceding for his own beloved. He's praying for you. Till his father calls to bring them home. Then the skies will part as the trumpet sounds. Hope of heaven or the fear of hell. But the bride will run to her lover's arms. Giving glory to Emmanuel. That's what's coming when the Lord and his heavenly hosts will roar like they have never, ever roared before. The question is, are you ready? Secondly, rejoicing in heaven. Secondly, reconciliation on earth. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Christmas is about peace on earth. On Christmas Day, 1914, in the trenches of the Western Front, I mean, it's amazing when you use these illustrations. I used this yesterday afternoon, and the person who was there, his grandfather, was there. I mean, it's striking, isn't it? And the man wasn't a Christian yesterday, and he thought, well, you could just see him struck by the fact that that was a pretty big coincidence. 1914 on Christmas Day, the trenches on the Western Front, the guns were put down. Soldiers from opposite sides ate and drank together. I suspect it wasn't quite so kind of intimate as history describes. I suspect there would be real tension knowing they would blast each other's heads off the next day. People point to that as, a, as the best Christmas ever, but it lasted one day. That's not peace. That's the suspension of war. Now, in some sense, without trivializing that, Christmas is, in our culture, the suspension of facilities. 
the suspension of the mundane, the suspension of drabness. And that's what ministers kind of go on about all the time in the real meaning of Christmas. But it really is true. It is light in the darkness. And thank God for Christmas. I wouldn't want to live in Narnia. Always winter and never Christmas. I would thank God for Christmas if I weren't a Christian. I think it's good. People are nice to each other, largely. They are. And we shouldn't mock that. There is a bit in every human heart that wants to do goodwill to their fellow man or fellow woman. But it is a suspension of hostilities, and that even happens in our families. Hostilities resume at 3 p.m. on Christmas Day. I always find Christmas Day profoundly sad in some ways, you know. It just makes me more and more alert to the gospel. It's a bit like last Sunday night. You know, I preached on being reconciled to God when your life is being blown along by the wind onto the rocks. We went home and we had a boy staying with us and he wanted to watch the Titanic. I couldn't stomach it. It's too bleak. It's too real. People make films out of it. The piece that we are singing about is so altogether different. It is not fleeting, it is not transient, and not, nor is it a feeling. Now, I've said this many, many times. The peace of God is a fact. It is being reconciled to God. It is hostilities with the God who is the lion, with his massed armies, hostility with him finished. Many of you here have never felt the peace of God because of illnesses you have. The peace of God is a fact, not a feeling. If you go out of church this morning on a high, thank God for it. If you go out of church on a low, that does not mean to say that you do not have God's peace. It's a fact. Because you are trusted in Jesus as your Savior, you are at peace with God. Therefore, what does Paul write? Therefore, since we have been to a church service when we've been lifted up singing these wonderful songs, as I have been this morning, it's a good list this morning. Therefore, since we have been encouraged, meeting together with our fellow Christians, we have peace with God. No, therefore, since we have been justified by his death on the cross, we have peace with God. Peace with God is a fact for every Christian. It's not a feeling. Peace with God is based entirely or 100% on what God has done for us in Jesus and not what we are like or feel like. Therefore, there, since we are justified by faith, what does that mean that we are sitting here this morning and we have done nothing? And that means that we can know we have peace with God. We've just come empty-handed. Whether we are running the race or barely able to put one foot in front of the other, whether we are growing in godliness or succumbing to the temptations and sin of our bodies, If you have come to Jesus in repentance and faith, you are at peace with God. Hostilities have ceased for all eternity. And what a blessed reassurance that is, that between you and God, hostilities have ceased. You are at peace with Almighty God. That's why the angels sang glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. On earth peace. Why? Because we can know the peace 
now on this earth. We do not have to wait till the day he comes again, because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because our salvation is based entirely on what he has done. So go, Jason and Rebecca, and proclaim to the people of East Asia that there is peace on earth now. What a glorious thing that is. What a wonderful message. Lastly, responding to Jesus. These shepherds are just great. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. How did the shepherds respond to the message from the angels? Let us go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. In response to what they had heard, they went to see. That's a credible response, surely, to what you are hearing. If you have not yet met or understood or know what it is to have living faith in Jesus, if, like the queen in the crown, you've attended a squillion services, but you want to know something that is real and living and alive, Let us go and see. If you're the queen, you don't need to go and see Billy Graham. You invite him to come to you. (laughs) But why did she invite Billy Graham to have two audiences with her? Because she wanted to see. She wanted to know. And they went with haste. and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They went with haste. Procrastination is the thief of eternal time. Do not delay. Do not put it off for another year. People do put off going to the doctor when there's something wrong and it's too late. The statistics in the UK of that every year are huge. The statistics in the UK of people who put off making their peace with God are massive. They went with haste. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. When they saw Jesus, they told others, we've seen him. Come and see. How does John's gospel begin? Come and see. Luke, we've seen him. Come and see. That's how it works. That's why we invite people to carol services. Come and see. Come and see just a smidgen of the glory of God and the praising of God's people. Come and see. Come and hear. And the angels returned, the shepherds returned rather, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And that's a striking way we finish, isn't it? What did the shepherds do? They began singing the song that the angels were singing. What did Mary do? She began singing the song that put her heart in tune with God. And what does a Christian do? They sing with hearts in tune with God. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And that choir would just have been magnificent. And on the hills that night, 
the shepherds, and this isn't sentimental, it's true, were back there amongst their flocks, and they were going, glory to God in the highest, on earth peace and praise to men. I bet they were out of tune. But they were singing. And they will be singing with the angels for all eternity. Glory to God in the highest. Right. Happy Christmas again. It's great, isn't it? 